All right. Good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas. All right. You glad to be here today? Hey, let's thank the Lord for an opportunity just to be in God's house and worshiping together. All right. Get your Bibles out and open them up to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2 is where we're going to be landing today. And while you're turning there, let me just remind you of a couple of things. Uh, we... Christmas Eve is tomorrow, all right, guys? So if you don't have all your shopping done, better get with it. Christmas Eve is tomorrow, and uh, we're going to have three services on Christmas Eve, 3 o'clock, 4.30, and 6 o'clock. So a wonderful time, one-hour service. We're going to worship together, candlelight, a Christmas story. I'm going to be sharing a very a brief message, about a 15-minute message on missing Christmas. And uh, so I'd love for you to come join us for that and bring somebody with you. Start thinking now, who can I invite? Family members, neighbor, somebody that you know you can invite with you on uh, Christmas Eve. It's going to be a great, great time together. And then the next Sunday, we're going to do one service at 10 o'clock only. One service, 10 o'clock only. That is one service at what time? 10 o'clock only. All right, there you go. So you got it down. So uh, next Sunday, 10 o'clock, and we're going to have a great time. Then we're back on our regular three service schedule in in January, okay? Uh, You know, uh, many years ago, when Liz and I were first married, uh, we... uh, I was going to seminary. I was working part-time at a church. She, she got a job working at a Christian school. I think she made about $10,000 a year, all right, at that Christian school. So we piled all of our resources together, and then we still realized we were short about $300 a month. That's after you do rent, you know, food, gas, just the, just the basics. We were short about 300 bucks a month, and we were like, man, how are we going to how are we going to meet, meet this need and how, where is it going to come from? So as a young couple, we decide we're just going to pray. We're going to ask God to meet our needs. This is kind of one of the first times as a young couple, we were trying to figure this thing out about trusting God's provision. And so uh, we started praying. And then throughout that praying, I thought, well, I'm going to need to look for a second job. So uh, I thought, well, it'd be great if I could get a job. I'm already at the school. Maybe if I could get one at the seminary, they tend to hire seminary students on occasion. Maybe I could get a job there. It really worked great for our schedule. So I knew a lady that was running uh, a part of the library. And I thought, maybe I could get a job there. So I I interviewed with her and come to find out they actually did have a job available, a little part-time job. And so I sat down and she, we talked for a little bit and she said, Craig, I think that you would be great at this job. It'd be perfect. But I just got to tell you, man, this job does not pay very much. And my heart sank, you know, I'm like, oh no. And she said, the only, it only pays $300 a month. And I was like, yes, you know, I was never so happy to be paid $300 a month. And uh, at that moment, I went home and I would tell Liz, like, yeah. And you know, it was one of those defining moments. You've had them in your life where God really did provide. I mean, I heard about that, but man, I could see God provide for our needs. Now, you probably have stories like that too, where God provided uh, something that you needed right there. And you just knew it was God. Well, what we're going to talk about today is how God provides for our needs. Now, the minute I say that, some of you are going to say, okay, time out, Craig, because i got issues with that. Because what I, I have problems because I've asked God to provide for certain needs and he hasn't met my need or he hasn't responded to my prayer. I prayed for this to happen and it didn't happen. So, so what is, what's up with that? How come God provides here but not there? Well, hold on to that question. We're going we're gonna to try to answer that question today. And if you're in need right now, you need God to provide for you. 
uh, well, listen closely. God's got a promise for you today, all right? So let's look at this scripture, Matthew chapter 2. This story is really about God's provision. Matthew chapter 2, we're going to pick up in verse 13. Matthew 2, verse 13. This is the word of God. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet out of Egypt, I called my son. Then Herod who saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all the region that were two years old and under, according to the time that had been asserted from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentations. Rachel weeping for her children, she refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise and take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there, and being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, that what was spoken by the prophet might be fulfilled, he shall be called a Nazarene. Now this story is really the, the dark side of the Christmas story. This is the part you don't hear about usually on TV and other places, the dark side of this story. The wise men had just uh, left uh, Bethlehem. They had seen the star in the east. They had traveled uh, to worship this newborn king, and they had found him there, and they offered their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. But they had been warned in a dream not to go back to Jerusalem, as they had promised King Herod that they would do. But they went back to Babylon another route. And uh, this caused King Herod, who was a a very paranoid, very psychotic leader uh, to go off the rails, to become unhinged with anger and rage. He realized that he had told him, you go spot out the king and you bring him back to word to me and then I'll go and worship him. And, uh, and now he realized that they had outwitted him and he just was furious and blind with rage and anger. And so uh, in an impulsive evil move. He gave the orders for soldiers to march into Bethlehem, the small little village, and put to death, ripping out of the arms of their own mothers, put to death every baby boy two years old and under. There are some uh, critics that say, well, there's no record of such a slaughter in, uh, in, the, in the Roman record. Uh, but you got to remember, Bethlehem was a small little town, and there were probably a few number of children uh, that died that night, but yet, it, no matter the number, it was a very tragic, tragic event, a very evil act. And yet, uh, God provided an escape for Joseph and Mary and uh, the child Jesus. They fled to Egypt. 
Now, we're not really told where they went. Uh, the border of Egypt is about 75 miles from Bethlehem. It's probably another good 50 to 75 miles inland to get to a major city. Uh, some speculate that they may have landed in Alexandria, the town named after Alexander the Great. Because we know by historical record that somewhere around 40 AD, they were, there were over a million Jews in Alexandria. They found a safe haven there. In fact, Philo the Great, the great uh, the historian and philosopher, came from Alexandria. The Septuagint, which is a Greek translation of the Old Testament, uh, was formed in, in uh, Alexandria. So it's very probable that they would have traveled that route right along what they call the Via Maris, the road by the sea, and they would have traveled along that line until they reached Alexandria and probably found a refuge among a Jewish community there. And they stayed there until Herod was dead. We're not sure how long that was. It could have been as few as a couple of months to up to a year or two. But when they got word through a dream that Herod was dead, they were instructed to go back to Jerusalem. And when they heard that Archelaus, his son, was now ruling in the Judean area, uh, they were fearful of him. And so they traveled up north to Galilee. Galilee was in the northern part of Israel. And they settled in Nazareth, their hometown. Now listen, this story is all about God's provision. Everywhere you turn in this story, God is providing. God provides protection for the child Jesus and, and protects him from the onslaught of the Romans. God provides for them in Egypt with resources that they need to live. God provided for them a way back and instruction. Everywhere you turn, through at least three different times in the story, God is giving instruction through a dream of where to go and how to go and where to move and what to, what to do. God provides everywhere along the way. This is really a lesson for us, that God will provide for us. Let me, get, let me just give you a statement that you can grab a hold of, a statement you can write down. This is your homework assignment to talk about this statement over lunch, all right? Here it is. Here's a statement I want you to remember. God will meet your need as you follow his lead. God will meet your need as you follow his lead. Kind of rhymes, all right? It's good to help you remember. God will meet your need as you follow his lead. It's a wonderful promise. No matter where you are in life, no matter what awaits you in this next year, God will meet your need as you follow his lead. So let me just kind of take that statement and kind of break it down and let's do a deeper dive. What does it mean for God to meet your need? Did you know that all the way through the Bible, we are told over and over and over that God will provide for his kids. God will provide for his children all the way through. In fact, from the very beginning that Israel was started, God was meeting their needs. You got to go all, rewind the tape, all the way back to Abraham, right? He's the father of the Jewish nation. And God gave him a son called Isaac, the son of promise. But one day God testing Abraham told him to take his only son and take him up to Mount Moriah and to sacrifice him there. God wanted to see if Abraham would obey him and trust him. And so Abraham did that. He took his Isaac, his son, and they began to climb up Mount Moriah. And, and Isaac asked his dad, say, hey, dad, uh, I, I see the wood and I see the, the fire, but I don't see the sacrifice. Where's the lamb? And what did Abraham say? God will provide the sacrifice. When they got to the top of Mount Moriah, Abraham laid his son on the altar and he was about to take his life when an angel of the Lord stopped him and said, Abraham, don't, don't harm your son. I see that you trust me. I see that you'll obey me. And he said, he looked up and he saw a ram caught in the thick brush. And so he pulled that ram out and he offered him up as a sacrifice. And it was at that moment that Abraham gave God a new name. 
It was a name that the children of Israel would remember and recall and recite throughout the years, still to this day. Abraham gave him the name Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. That was his name. The Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. Now listen, God made good on that name all throughout Jewish history. When they were in bondage in Egypt, God provided a deliverer to to free them from their slavery. When they were wandering in the wilderness, God provided uh, water from a rock and and food from heaven. Uh, When they were fighting their battles and conquests in the new promised land, God provided the power and fought their battles for him. God was making good on his name, Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. Listen, when you get into the New Testament, You don't see that going away. In fact, you see even a richer picture of God's provision. Jesus painted a picture that God is a heavenly father and he cares for you and he loves you and he longs to meet your needs. In fact, in Matthew chapter six, Jesus said this, uh, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. In other words, Jesus is saying, don't let worry consume you. Don't let anxiety of the future consume you. Don't be wringing your hands and wondering what we're going to do. What are we going to do? The Lord is your father and he knows your need and he will provide. It's his name. The Lord will provide. You know, that that day when God uh, provided $300 a month on a second job, God was reminding me, hey, I'm going to provide for you. If you follow my lead, I'll, I'll meet your needs. And listen, I could just tell you over and over how God has done that. And not, he didn't just stop there. He's done it year after year after year, straight up to this day. After 32 years of marriage, God is still meeting our need when we call on him. He's like, God, as best we know how, we're trying to follow you. That God has always been faithful to provide. Now, listen, just stop in your life and think about it. Think about it. Just pause for a minute. When was a time that God provided for your need. It might've been a little thing. It might've been a big thing, but there have been times in your life when you go, okay, I know that this is God, that God has provided for us. God will meet your need when you follow his lead. Let me give you, let me give you three things out of this story that help us understand God's provision. Okay. Once you jot these down here, here's some things we learn about God's provision from this story. Here's the first one is that God knows your need before you do. I love that. I love that. God knows your need before you know it. Think about it in this story. Uh, uh, here, here God brings wise men from, from Babylon and they give him gold and frankincense and myrrh. Why did God instruct them to bring gifts? Well, there's a reason because he knew that there was going to be a flight into Egypt and they would need money and they would need resources to provide. God was already providing their need before they even knew there was a problem, before they even knew there was a need. God was meeting it. This whole jet off into Egypt was not some plan B. This wasn't God playing defense going, oh no, Herod's coming after me. Now what are we going to do? Well, we'll do this. No, no, no. God was, God already knew this was going to happen. If you look all the way back in Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, Hosea the prophet foreshadows that this will happen. He said, out of Egypt, I called my son. Now, yes, that's a, that's a, a view of Israel being called out of bondage in Egypt, but it is, that is only a type. That is only a foreshadowing of the greater fulfillment of God literally calling his son out of Egypt. God knew their need before they ever knew they had a need. 
Hey, that's pretty good. Write that down. God knew their need before they ever knew they had a need. Listen, let, let me just get a little personal with you. God knows what you need. Do you have any idea what's going to happen to you in 2019? Do this. No, you don't know. You don't know. You don't know what's going to happen to you. You don't know what's going to happen to those around you. You don't know what's going to happen to you in your business or your financially or, or, or your health. You have no idea what's going to happen, but God does. God has already gone before you. In fact, you, your foot will never plant on a place that God has not already been there. And he knows your name. That is tremendous comfort to me that no matter what happens in my life, God already knows it. God has already gone before me and he will provide for me. Even when I don't even know I got a need, God will meet it. God will meet your need before you even know it. God knows your need before you even know you have one. Here's another thing that I love about this story is that God will meet your needs even in your darkest moments. God will meet your need even in your darkest moments. When you look at this story, the death of these baby boys is a stark reality and reminder that we live in a very dark and dangerous world. Evil really exists. In fact, you can't look at your Twitter feed or, or look online or pull up, uh, uh, turn on the television without seeing a reminder of a shooting here or a, or a terrorist event there or a, or a gang violence over here. We live in that. So what about there? When something bad happens, why did God not meet their need? You might have gone through a tragedy in your own life. Why didn't God meet my need then, you might ask. You know, George Mueller was a pastor in the 1800s that was best known for the orphanages that he ran. Literally thousands of orphans came through his ministry. But what's unique about him is that he refused to ever ask anyone for money. He, uh, he determined that if God was his provider, that he would only have to do is ask God to provide and God would put on the hearts of people to give because he was completely reliant on donors to feed these orphans. And so there've been books written about Mueller's faith and Mueller's prayer life, about he would ask God and sometimes just crazy circumstances where they're literally at the table and there's no food and there'd be a knock on the door and somebody would show up and say, hey, we got all these groceries left over. Do you think you need them? And God would meet just in time his need. But what you may not know about George Mueller is that while God answered his prayers for literally hundreds of thousands of orphans, that George Mueller faced his own dark moment. His wife, Mary, that he'd been married to for many, many years, contracted rheumatoid, uh, uh, rheumatic fever, rheumatic fever. And um, she was very sick. And he began to pray and ask God to heal her. But in God's wisdom, God did not heal her. And she passed away. And George Mueller did his own wife's funeral service. And he made a statement that I want to read to you that really gives you insight into how he thought about this. He said this, this was, came right out of the funeral service he preached for his wife. He said, the last portion of scripture, which I read to my precious wife was this, the Lord is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Then he said, then he, then I said to myself, I am a 
In myself, a poor, worthless sinner, but I have been saved by the blood of Christ. I do not live in sin. I walk uprightly before God. Therefore, if it is really good for me, my darling wife will be raised again. As sick as she is, God will restore her again. But if she is not restored again, then it would not be good for me. And so my heart was at rest. I was satisfied in God. George Mueller believed God and he trusted him. And he said, listen, I believe that God doesn't withhold good things. And if, and if my wife passes away, then I believe that he will provide for her by taking her into glory. And he will provide for me when I'm left behind. But I'm gonna trust God. You see, Mueller didn't get angry with God. He just trusted God's provision. You know, I've said this many, many times, but it's hard for me to get to Christmas without thinking about the fact that Liz and I lost triplets many, you know, many, many years ago. But I can tell you in, in that moment of sorrow, we understood what the cries of Rama were like, the weeping in Bethlehem. And yet it was in that moment, listen to me, it was in that moment that we began to realize that God was meeting our needs even then. Even when our heart was breaking, God provided for us. Even when things were not good, God was good still. And he, and he provided comfort for us and he provided uh, people bringing us meals and he provided things that we needed, provided financial resources to take care of medical bills. In fact, we look back on that season and know it's, it's bitter. We also know that it was there that we learned that we could trust God in the hard times of life. I really believe that that we really are more acutely aware of God's provision in the hard times than we are in the good times. You know, when the good times come, we're just, oh, thanks God, you know, we're so happy for it. But when the things are hard, when your heart is grieving, that's when you need God's provision more than ever before. You know, the Bible says that God is near to the brokenhearted and he comforts those who are crushed in spirit. And some of you are heavy hearted today. You're having a hard time getting in the Christmas spirit because the truth of the matter is that this is your first Christmas without somebody that matters to you. I mean, I can look out over this audience and see your faces and I know some of you are lost dads and you've lost moms and you've lost family members. Some of you lost children but God will provide for you. He will meet your need every time. You know, another thing that I, I lo love about this story is that it also reminds us that, that God provides for our greatest need in Jesus. It says that, that he, they left Egypt and they came back and they settled in Nazareth, which is really important. I don't want you to miss this. Nazareth was a very key place because the word is, the thought was that out of Nazareth would come the Messiah. In fact, the people that founded Nazareth were very uh, messianic minded. They, they believed that God would, through their town, bring the Messiah to be. That's why they called the town Nazareth. Nazareth comes from the root word netzer, which means a shoot of an olive branch. Okay? 
And they probably took that from Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, that says, There shall be a shoot from the stump of Jesse, a branch from its roots shall bear fruit. And that was a messianic prophecy. So they thought, well, if a shoot is going to be what the Messiah is going to be like, then let's call our town Shoot Town, all right? Nazareth Town, a Netzer Town. All right. And so that's why they call it Nazareth. And they believed that God would bring the Messiah through them. Little did they know when Joseph and Mary and little boy Jesus now rode into town and settled in, that that was the answer to their prayer. That the Messiah had come. That the Savior that would bear their sins and heal them was now residing among them. John chapter 1 says he came into his own, but his own did not recognize him. They didn't see him. But he was going to provide their deepest need. Listen, your deepest need this Christmas is not a new spouse, okay? Or, or a new job, or a new house, or a new car. Your deepest need is not uh, to change your major or to, uh, or to go to a different school. Your deepest need is not a new boyfriend or new girlfriend. Your deepest need is to know Jesus Christ, to be reconciled with God, to know that he has washed you clean and that you're right with him. That's your deepest need. And that's why Jesus came. He came to meet your deepest need. And so when we say, well, God didn't provide this need, all you got to do is look to the cross and say, God provided that need. See, most of the things we fixate on are all temporary. The minute you die, none of those things are going to matter. What will matter is what Jesus did at Calvary. And he provided your deepest need there. So let's think about our statement again. God will meet your need as you follow his lead. God will provide for you as you follow him. So let's talk about that last little part of it. As you follow his lead. What does that mean? Well, it simply means this. That if you obey God and trust him to do, uh, to provide for you. That's following his lead, to obey God and then trust him to provide for your needs. That's exactly what Joseph did here. When you look at Joseph, you see a great example of this. Joseph did what the Lord told him to do. I mean, over and over, you see in this story, uh, God saying, Joseph, go here. Joseph, go there. Joseph, leave now. And you never once see Joseph question or complain, right, or hesitate. You don't hear him say, Joseph, flee to Egypt. He goes, well, God, you know, it's in the middle of the night. It's not very safe out there for us to be out there on the road in the middle of the night. Surely you don't mean now. Uh, he never says that. He just goes. He doesn't say, well, uh, Joseph, now return back. Well, God, I kind of like it here in Egypt. We, we kind of settled in. We kind of have close friends. Surely you don't mean. He never does that. Not one time. He just obeys. Now, let me ask you something. Do you do that? Do you obey right when God says when God tells you, let me just bring that in a little closer. When God says, I want you to serve me and I want your service to me to be a top priority in your life. I want you to seek first the kingdom of God more than anything else. Do you usually say, well, God, I'm so busy at work and I've got so many things going on. And you know, I, I try to serve in other ways, God, but I really don't have time to serve. Or if God says, listen, I want you to be generous with this family. I want you to give to them. Do you say, God, we well, already kind of had that money earmarked for a trip. I really don't want to give it to them. Or maybe God's put on your heart to share the gospel with a, a coworker or a friend, and he's been telling you over and over and over, but you're going, well, God, not this time. It doesn't really seem like a good time. See, what God's looking for is obedience. 
And as you step out, if I had time today, which I don't have time, but if I did, I could show you story after story about when they acted in obedience, that's when God provided. How many times did that happen? When, when you act in obedience, God provides. Listen to you. Listen to me. If you will just be faithful to do what God tells you to do, he will be more than faithful to provide what you need. More than faithful. I've seen it over and over and over and over again. Obey what God tells you to do and then trust him. Trust him. George Mueller, that, that pastor with the orphanage, he had a great statement. He said this, faith begins where man's power ends. I love that. That's, that's worth writing down. Faith begins where man's power ends. When you get to the end of your rope and say, God, I can't do this anymore. God, I can't take this anymore. Then you're right where God wants you to be to trust him and watch him provide for your needs. Listen, God will meet your need as you follow his lead. God will meet your need. And you say, well, that, see, that's the problem, Craig. I don't know that I really follow God's lead that very well. I mean, I, I've not been that obedient to God. I've not trusted God in my relationships. I've not trusted God in these other areas. There are some areas of disobedience I'm not, I've not really straightened out. I don't really trust God very well. So I guess that's good promise for somebody else that lives a good life, but not me. And if that's what you're thinking, let me tell you a quick story. We, last week as a church, provided a night of hope for two different schools in needy areas in, in uh, the HEB district. And some of you were right in there with us, man. You had your sleeves rolled up, you were serving, you were loving on families. It was a beautiful, wonderful thing to watch. And there was one night that, uh, I, I, it was just about over. All the families had pretty much come through. They'd all gotten their food, they'd gotten their gifts. And they were beginning to leave. And one young mother came running in the school door. And she said, uh, hey, did I miss it? Did I miss it? And she met uh, Josh McCaslin, our community engagement pastor there. And, and he goes, what's, what's the matter? And she said, well, I'm, I'm late. Did I miss it? He goes, no, no, I, no, we can take care of you. What's your numbers? She was assigned a number. She said, here it is. And he goes, let me take care of this. He runs out to the back. They're already putting the, the food up. They're always putting the toys up in the truck. And he said, hey, I need this number. And one guy that was actually putting it in the truck goes, well, here it is. You know, here it is. And so he gets the toys. He gets bags of food, brings it back to this mom with two little kids around her and uh she's just talking she goes oh I'm so glad I didn't I'm so glad I didn't miss this she said I I, I was I was got home from work late and uh she said actually I, I was I opened up the refrigerator and I saw there wasn't hardly anything in there and then it dawned on me that this event was going on and she goes oh my gosh I think I missed it so she gets her kids bundled up she gets them in the car tries to start the car and the car won't start so she said I, I called an uber all right. And she said, I followed all the kids in the Uber and we, we came to the school and I came running in and she goes, I'm just so glad that I made it. And Josh was talking to her and he said, you know what? It took a lot of effort on your part to get here. And he said, you know what? You're a really good mom. And when he said those words, you're a good mom. She just started to weep and cry because the truth be known. She probably thought many times at night, I'm a terrible mom. I can't take care of my kids. Why, why, how did I get in this situation? I'm a terrible mom. Maybe some people even said that to her. Get your act together. But to hear someone say, you're a good mom, she was just overwhelmed. 
he put his hand on her shoulder and then other people gathered around her, embraced her and they just it created this little huddle in this school lobby and just prayed for her. And they just prayed that God would remind her of how much she matters to him and that God would provide for her needs more than she could ever possibly experience. As they said, amen, and were kind of wiping their tears back, a lady had joined the prayer. There was another volunteer, and she said, hey, you need to ride home. And she goes, yeah, I actually do. She goes, my car's just right out the store. And so she loaded up in the car with her kids and her food and her toys, and off they went down the street. And I tell you this story because some of you are feeling the very th same thing that she was feeling. You may just feel overwhelmed with the weight of life, and you feel, I'm not doing things that are good. I fail, I can point to all my failures and the times I'm messing up and I should have done this and I didn't and I've screwed up here and here and I'm just such a failure. God's not gonna provide for me. But my friends, that's missing the whole point of Christmas is that at Christmas time, God provided for us when we did not have our act together. When we were running from God, God showed us grace by giving us his son, Jesus. God is more than able to meet your need when you turn to him. And maybe that's what you need to do today. Maybe today you just need to turn to him. Say, God, I, I feel like a failure, but I need you. I need you in my life. I need you to change me. I need you to meet my need. I want to follow your lead today.